Mr. and Mrs. American, all the ships at sea. Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. We're very honored to have Jeff Wife with us. He started a new business. We're going to hear all about that. Now I'll turn you over to the boss. Right, the brands, Joey Sauce. It's been a minute since we've had Jeff White on, and tons of things have changed. But most importantly is Jeff. Now he really actually needs to listen to this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, he is an owner of White Mantis Consulting Group. And everybody knows you for bed bugs. We imagine this is more than that. It is, absolutely. Obviously, I've got a lot of experience. I've made a name for myself over the last 15 years. And I've always thought about going out on my own and, and leveraging you know, everything that I've made for myself. And the opportunity arose where transform slash bedbug central was going to go one direction with and in, in building gross profit of companies through that, which I think is an admirable venture, but it's not what I built my career on. I built my career on bugs and, and bedbugs particularly. And so I want to go out and start some consulting and take a stab at running my own ship here. And we've had some fun, candid conversations about owning your own. And we're here for you and, and you've made a lot of friends over the years. And I imagine that they're all willing to help out as well. So yeah, I, I got a head start to a certain degree. It's very similar to me. I had this guy, not that you would know it today when speaking to him, but he was rather sharp back then. I do I what you. I got to do at different life stages. When I uh, got to like know everything, be every freaking where. Now I don't have to rush. I, I don't want to say I don't give a shit anymore because apparently I do, but I'm not as, I'm not as, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. I'm not as energetic as I used to be. I said, you know what? And I'll tell you the truth. When I go over to Colony, if they're discussing a problem or something, I still get knots in my stomach. I want to run out the door and fix it. Who, the, who fucked up? Let's go fix it. You'll never get rid of that. That's that entrepreneurial DNA that just some people have. And, and no matter how old you are, no matter where you're at, it's just what's in your blood. You heard it from Jeff White. I still got it. I don't give a shit what Joe said. I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but he said it's ingrained in all of us entrepreneurs. And yeah, that's true. I made the statement. Listen, the, the truth of the matter is it's fun to bust your balls and it's not, it's not something that I've been able to do my entire life. So now that I'm able to do it, I take every chance I get to do yeah, it. But I get a good shot back now and again. hundred percent. hundred percent. But I had to endure 30 something years of it. And now I'm, I'm not laying down. In. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not laying down. I, I, that's fine. I don't expect. I expect a good fight. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Yeah. So let, let's actually ask Jeff some questions. So one of the first questions, and Jeff, we poll people. So this is from our listeners. What do you think pest control companies are lacking in regards to training? There's a lot of layers to it, in my opinion, in terms of what we're not doing. One of the things I could start with is that this industry, as much as I love it, as much as you love it, can be stuck in its ways. Sometimes I shake my head and I'm like, what are we still doing? And we talk about generationally sensitive training, the attention span of the newer generations that we're hiring. It, it's not that of sitting through a two to four hour training session. And so you have to start to create training material, in my opinion, that's more generationally sensitive to the people that we're hiring. And now listen, I do want to say you can't be held hostage by that mentality. You know what I'm saying? I, I was talking to somebody that was like, everything that we do has to be in three to five minute snippets. That's not reasonable. It's not feasible. That's ridiculous. But 
I think we do have to create things that are more generational. Look, there's a reason social media videos can't go past 59 seconds. Look, technology is amazing when it works. And when it works, has to be stressed when you say anything good about technology. I, I couldn't agree more. Everybody has to change. You have to change with the times. It is probably, Ed, pay attention. One of the, I'm only because I'm going to give him some real credit. It's one of the things that he instilled in me that everything is constantly changing and you can't fuck it. You have to change with it. You have to understand it. And then you have to make whatever that changes in society, in business, in the world, you have to tailor that change to your business, right? And a part of this is finding out how everybody learns, which is exactly what you just said. If you have anybody above the age of 40, they learn different mm -hmm. than the next group between 40 and 30. And then the next group between 30 and 18, and then the group at 18 down, but we don't know anything about that. God, you're right. When this IPM came on, I started telling all the guys, we're going to educate you different and you're going to educate the customers. Because when I started, if there was an uh, insect or a mouse, it was always my fault. The fact that the place was a dump, garbage laying around, or it wasn't clean and shit like that, never came up. So as I got into IPM, I started retraining my guys. I think a lot of these guys too sort of look to their industry or their job with a higher level of appreciation. I had these two guys that lived next to me, Sal and Dominic. Sal wanted to get Dominic a job on uh, pest control. So I said, he's got to go take a course and he's got to take two. Ah, just to spray a little water around? He's not the guy for the job. because it's, What do you mean so much more? I go, you know what? Why don't you just leave before I smack you? So with the IPM, I told my men, you got to start educating the customer. What I'm teaching you here was cleanliness and stuff like that. Look for this. And I know things have changed because I used to go and do a QA or a hospital, pipe it up on a Palm Pilot, very advanced. And we fax it the next day, very advanced. So I go to a QA on this hospital for Joey. I send him into the office. I'm going by the cafeteria. They got New England clam chowder. I think I'll stop the New England clam chowder. I have my clam chowder. I'm walking in the hallway. Excuse me, what did you mean by this? I go, shit. I sent it in less than an hour ago. So yes, things have gotten a lot quicker. But I remember my mother, she asked me why I paid $39,000 for a single family house because they bought a two-family house for 12500 back in 1950. Daddy was making $80 a week. I was making a lot more. It's just, that's the way time is. And you either get on the bus or you just stay there. And there's still a lot of companies that they're the lowest at a low level. They don't charge enough. They, they run it from their house. They just don't get it. They don't do IPM either, which in this day and age- No, exactly. They don't get it. I'll never forget when we got some third party certification and it was probably like an 07. And the guy was like, when did you start doing IPM? And I was like, when we started the company, really? I was like, yeah, we started the company in 2003. And you were doing IPM every day since. Like, yeah. And to be completely honest, I've been doing IPM since the early eighties when I worked for my father, which is another crazy thing. IPM was first introduced, what, 84, 85? Yeah, but it didn't get into my head till maybe the no, late. I would say late 80s, because I remember being in some of the hospitals doing some IPM stuff. But you think about that, right, Jeff? Think about how young what we know now is the industry is. It's 35 years old of IPM, and 
probably more realistic, 30. And yeah. that's what we're trying to teach everyone. Change takes time. Look at roach baits. Roach baits were introduced, what, in the early 90s? And they weren't widely adopted until the late 90s. It was a little before my time in the industry. I've talked to many different people who have told me that it, and they revolutionized the game. It was like a no-brainer introduction of a new product, a new you know formulation, whatever you want to call it. And it took five to seven years for the masses to jump on board. And anytime you introduce anything, especially to as conservative as an industry as this is, it's gonna take time. And so when I'm sitting here talking about introducing 15 minute to 30 minute training, you know what I'm saying? Instead of three hours every morning, once a week, it's gonna take time for people to adopt it. So just to go back to that, the very first gel bait that I ever saw, was like a five pound bucket. With all those little, with like all the, those? the plaster bucket and you yeah. took the putty knife. Jeff, you had a putty knife. Some guy invented that down in well he was making illegal whiskey down in Tennessee or this 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 is an alleged story I promise you (laughs) okay it it didn't come in a bucket it came in like little looked like a a jar that you'd have some kind of skin cream on but it was bigger than that and you just put a rubber glove on you smeared it around underneath things and shit like that you were needed in me but I'll tell you when they came out with that max force stuff and I trained my guys where to put it around I did a QA on a kitchen in a hospital, and it was always roaches by the dishwasher machine. I couldn't find one. I said, holy shit, this is the end of my little friends. What am I going to do? This is bread and butter out of here now. But you know what? It made a comeback. My boys came back eventually. Listen, in the end, the, the bugs are going to win, which keeps us in business. In the you end. know what? You're constantly, I say educate him, guy, but that's it, but motivating them, too. But I think what you just said is very, you have a whole gap in our industry of probably from the mid nineties to probably seven, eight years ago, where any PMP that came into the industry at, at that time had no idea how to really seek and destroy because they were shown place gel here and do it everywhere and you'll have no roaches. And then when the gel bait stopped working properly, people were like, what do I do? And then we had to basically retrain them on how to really find an issue and treat it with liquid beta version and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Jeff, that might've been when you first started, I don't know. And there was actually an article today I saw on Facebook of research that's talking more about resistance and roaches. The, the messaging when I started 15 years ago was that resistance to baits wasn't really a thing. It was really technician failure, which is what you're referring to. It's technicians that for 10 to 15 years had gotten away from seek and destroy. That's a couple bait placements. So they lost all their skill sets. Companies weren't training them the same way they used to. And so now you're seeing, though, you're starting to see more conversation about at least some resistance at some level. But the bottom line is, is you're right. I just think that our technicians don't have the mentality they did back in the mid-90s. On, on the bright side, on the bright side, <laughs> has nothing to do with today, but me. I became an exterminator. I showed up on a Saturday. The guy took me to a bar across the street. He sprayed <laughs> half the bar. I sprayed half the bar. He told me I'm a natural. Thank God I went out with Jimmy Maloney, who knew what the hell he was doing. I went to a 30-hour class. They gave me a certificate. I went down to uh, 125 Word Street, Board of Health. I, I paid $10. They stamped exterminator for life. Never had to go to school again. Thank God some of the older guys took pity on me and gave me advice. And then 
Nixon changed that thing to uh, whatever he did when he came in, EPA. And now you have to go through it. I'm like, holy shit. At the time, it was a pain in the ass because you had to go to all these courses with freshmen so you passed the test and everything. And you're married with two kids. Like, shit, I got to pass this freaking test. And thankfully, I did. But I became very fond of the EPA and the DEC because I seen it make me better. I didn't like them, those arrogant fucks when they first started, everything we were doing. You got this nice woman, Sharon Heath, and things changed. They upgraded the industry, not because the industry wanted to be upgraded in a lot of circles, but because they had. The industry continues to upgrade and be forced to upgrade. But some of the forces, like Jeff, the whole EPA thing going on right now with rodenticide, mm -hmm. and that they want for any restricted use pesticide, which they're going to make all rodenticides that, I think, they want someone to be certified. Why, as an industry, would we be against that? If they're going to take it out of the consumer, which we have been begging for decades, right? Because that's where the most poisoning happens and everything. Sure. So this is like that compromise in marriage where everybody takes a hit, but everybody wins. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I think it makes sense. I think if our technicians want to get paid more, we want to be more respected. What's wrong with making a rodenticide? You have to have a certification or be directly supervised using it. I don't think it's that bad. Never get any argument from me on that, ever. I lived the rodenticide issue 10 years ago. We go to vacation in Martha's Vineyard. We check into this house. They got this pile of board games and kids' toys. My kids at the time were probably like one in three or something like that. And like literally my wife and I are unpacking. The kids go get out the board games. They open up one of the board games and the board game is full of rodenticide, full of it. And obviously the mice had relocated it, this, that, and the other, but it was, again, it was all just people throwing bait packs around when they shouldn't be doing that, you know what I'm saying? And, and just whipping stuff around without any plan behind it. And that's what happens when you put rodenticides in the hands of people that don't know what they're doing. So you'll never get any argument from me in regards to that. I see a problem here. With what? These big companies that put out this do-it-yourself shit, you don't think they're going to go bribe, uh, excuse me. They're going to contribute to a lot of political action committees in Washington so that the bill gets knocked out. Yeah, I think they're going to try, but I don't know. We got to whip the public up. Unfortunately, the industry doesn't agree with us right here. The industry as a whole wants us to fight this. I, I think they want to fight them potentially taking different levels of rodenticides away from us and completely doing away with it. As far as the restricted use aspect of things, listen, does it make things easier for us? No. Going back to the DIY industry, that's an interesting topic because it's never going to go away. There's nothing you can ever do about that. And I think there's a way that we as an industry can actually serve both causes where we can be the for hire, but also educate the DIY that says, listen, if you're going to try this on your own, this is the right way to go about it. Because there's a certain portion of that group that you're never going to get business from. No matter what you do, they're never going to come to you. Yeah. So let's make sure that they're doing things at least responsibly. And so I think that as an industry, we can serve both actually and win in the end. Yeah. And look, at when I first got in business, I bought a small company that had 15 termite renewals. And I'm treating the house at the time with Phantom. Mm -hmm. This is back 0304. As I'm going through the basement, Here's two, a full gallon jug of Termidor. There's two of them. 
I asked the guy, what is this? And he's like, oh, I bought this online from Georgia and I reopened some of your holes in the back and just poured it down straight, undiluted. So we could talk to him blue in the face about that. So, but somebody actually said to me, they called it tribal training, which is the whole, you hire somebody, you send them out with a manager, the manager shares their wisdom with the technician and it's tribal training. And listen, I, I get that. And I would never in a million years suggest to get away from that. But there is no repetitive, there's no consistency with any of the training. It's completely relying on what the manager is sharing with them. And then you're also relying on the manager being healthy, not having their own things to take care of, to be able to focus on that. And so I agree with you. I've talked to a lot of bigger companies that don't have consistent new hire training or any training for that matter. That's I want crazy. to, I, dude, it's I, and all the time. And, and one of the sales pitches for me as a consultant and this industry as a whole is what is the ROI of consistency? To me, that is a really interesting topic that I haven't had anyone be able to put their thumb on yet. Return. You would need to be consistent for a year. It's see yeah. how see how much money you save. Exactly. It's true, and it's so hard. This is all about processes, right? What's your sure. pro- 2018, we started with process, mm-hmm. writing them and I went nuts and I did all of the treatment processes at the time. We did like a summer pest and a winter pest because then I had quality control and the service manager go in the field and tweak. And then one of the things that we decided was we didn't want to put pesticide names in the process because mm-hmm. they changed. It has now gotten to the point where there's a full four-week training. There's tests at the end of every week on a um, digital learning platform. They have to get an 80 on all the tests, all of this stuff. But the follow-up to it, all of the treatment processes for every single technician is in Microsoft Teams. With store product pest treatments and other stuff that are few and far between, they go right into Microsoft Teams and then they see. If it's a multi-treatment process, then it'll say first treatment, second treatment, chemicals to use. And it won't be that specific, but it'll say the current IGR, let's say. And then they could just read it. Because we figured out guys don't really want to call and say, I don't remember how to do something. Even though you tell them a million times, we don't expect you to remember how to do an ant treatment if you've only done one or you started in December. But that has helped us. But it, it is painstaking. It totally is. What you're referring to is easy to access refresher content, whether it's through video, whether it's even written. I've even said to people, like, just laminate a quick five to 10 bullet point reminder of what they should be doing and they can quickly access it manually. I'm all about technology. I'm all about videos. I'm all about that stuff. But there is something to be said for old school content, which is just written in front of you. You can pick up, hold and read. But yeah, it's crazy when we talk about the way things are done in this industry at times with certain companies. And and one of the battles we face too, I think, is that the hiring process is all I hear about, right? Which is people can't find good people, they find them and they have to get them up and running as quick as possible because they're short staff and this, that, and the other. And to me, that's a, a juggling act that I'm trying to solve here, which is how do we get people up and running as quick as possible? You know what I'm saying? Maybe within a week and giving them what they need in short bite-sized pieces of information that gets them out in the field. And then it also gives us a time as business owners to evaluate the talent. I can't tell you how many times I've watched companies invest weeks and months of training to then just realize that they don't have the right person. And what's the true cost of that? You know what I'm saying? It's insane. And so how do we mix good, consistent training 
bite-sized pieces of information that fit the generations that we're hiring, and then also serving our initiatives as companies to try to make sure we got the right people and getting them up and running and out in the field. When guys came to me, we took them for a month, trained them on the route they were going to do, made them take notes and shit like that. Not extensive notes like today. Notes we told was like, you got to take your shoes off, go in the back door, stuff like that. Then we'd let them do the route for a month and then we'd go back and check on them and tell them what they were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Let them do it for another month, tell them what they're doing wrong. Third month, if they were consistently doing the same shit wrong, they were gone. But again, like you say, that's time involved. I think a week is super aggressive, Jeff. But here's the thing. There's caveats to that. Do you have somebody that already knows pest control? And then are they doing a residential route? Because the residential route is so monotonous that a week of training on how your company does treatments at a house, that's probably doable. But for us, for the commercial industry, I think there's way too many nuances. Like our program is the month and then there's follow-ups after that. But we know that for us to train a technician costs us 20 grand. Now, we're probably in one of the worst markets for anything when it comes to what it costs. But I would say industry-wide, it's as low as 12000 and as high as 25000 for a technician, depending on your program. So that you can easily quantify in your business. It's simple math, right? Their first 160 hours, it's a manager's salary and their salary, depending on what you're paying your managers is... Can you cut into that managerial time by having recordings of presentations and, and video content that you're talking about? And can you then start to reduce that cost of training, then provide the time to evaluate? And like you just said, I think too, that a lot of times we try to drive these technicians into dealing with way too many things too fast, where can you then peel things back or listen, you know, whether if you're a residential company and it's the spring, start them off with carpenter bees and ants. That could fill several routes right there alone in the spring. You know what I'm saying? And then as you need to bring more layers in, bring more layers in. And well, you can, you know, same thing with commercial. You could, it's, I agree with you. Commercial training you is much more training them out, You're talking about training them in the field? No, I'm talking about training them actually in front of a screen as much as possible. I think you can so do there's it. There's guys like me. There's guys like me. Yep. You could show me everything on the screen, talk to me. I got it, but I ain't got it until I actually do the work. It's a mix of both. You need both. But I I visited a company one day that's using GoPros. Another company that I was talking to is using Google Glasses. There's ways that you can also, you know what I'm saying, be with people in field settings through different... We use FaceTime. When a guy has, we're like, yo, pull me up on FaceTime and talk through it. We looked into Google Glasses when they first came out. And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. And then somebody said to me, isn't this fucking FaceTime? Just yeah. really cool. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're going to iPhones. We're switching to iPhones. Look at you. But it, but it was really cool because I was like, oh, and he could just turn it on and look. And the kid just looked at me and he goes, bro, I could do that with my iPhone right now if you had an iPhone. All right. All right. So we got another question. It all ties into what we're talking about. Yeah. What tips do you have for small businesses that may not have a dedicated team member for training. Hiya, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you my phone number now. I'm just kidding. And so listen, there's a, it's interesting. You're asking. So we look at what content exists out there. So what is this? Pest web, 
there's PestEd, there's, I think it's like a Pest Pro, I believe, university. There's a lot of different ways that you can get content for free out there. Not for free, paid content that's good and, and covers what you're looking for. The issue that I've found when I've talked to people about why a lot of companies don't use the, those different platforms, or at least not as much as I think they should, it's because a lot of times you have to sort through the content and figure out what not what you want to watch and then what also you are willing to show your technicians. I was watching one of the platforms just last week and it was some of the application type videos. And I'm going to be honest, what I saw, I was fairly mortified over. I was like, are you seriously training people to do this? But that moment that I had is exactly what a lot of owners and technical people are, are having, which is I don't know where to go for content with these platforms and so to me, when I look at what we need to do, we need to create systems on how we can, you want to train a, a technician on B&G maintenance. You want to train a technician on odorous house ants. Can we create a, a way that you just say, you know what, soup to nuts, I click on this, I show them this video, this training presentation, I give them these three documents and away you go. Can it be a nice tight thing where you don't have to go through the content to figure out what you want to show people. So to circle back to what you're saying is I think that there's a couple of different platforms out there you can access in terms of content. And then honestly, it's relying on either the state association that you're with. I think NYPMA has got a, a decent state association. I think Massachusetts has got a decent state association or New England, I should say. They provide different content and training material. NPMA obviously has got a lot of content out there. And it's just knowing what content's out there and what you can access to help your people. If you're a small company that can't afford a technical director type. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think from a small business aspect, which a lot of people who listen are fall into the true small business. Just start doing it now as a solo operator or with two other people, because you're right. We use certain platforms just because a 30 hour course, a 30 hour course. We do in-house training where we get reps and we talk to the reps about what we do and they tailor their, their talk to it. But for the most part, all of our training for our techs is all fortunately and unfortunately done by us. And all of the content was put together by us on how we want the company to do this. Because like you said, treating for ants is treating for ants, but how does Colony do it? Mm -hmm. That one video that's 35 minutes long, 30 minutes of it could be great or 25 minutes could be great. And then the other 10, your tech is going to come back and ask you, why don't we do this? Why don't we do yep. that? 100%. The answer is we're not in Florida or we're not where this guy's from. And it just creates even more of a disconnect of guys wondering what's going on. To me, you're preaching to what my problem is which is how do I create training material? Because that's what my end game is here is I want to create a portfolio of training material that resonates with companies no matter where you are. And how do you do that? And that to me is the battle that I'm fighting. Which, and I think you could do it. I think that you can create blanket content that will train technicians on the basics of what they need to know, but you need to create a process that you can bolt on tidbits of information in different places that I could say, listen, Joe, what do you want? What's specific to Colony? And then where do I build that into the presentation? So that way the content's specific to you. Right, because um, biology, habitat, blah, blah, blah. Is all that's the all the same. One of the things I'm going to do is if a company comes to me and say you've got eight people and you can't afford a technical director for 80000 a year, can you bring one of the consultants, me or whoever, on for five to $8,000 a year? A fraction of the cost. 
And then you bring that person in maybe two or three times a year. You have them do a couple of virtual sessions and then you have them provide yeah. you with, there's ways that you can do it that you don't have to invest in a person for $80,000. No, I agree. Yeah. I think it is a, uh, I think you're going to do great at it, especially because of normally somebody in New Jersey starting out in consulting would be limited, right? To that Northeast. If just thinking, but I, don't know, of, I don't know scorpions. I don't know anything about scorpions. So don't put me in Arizona. But don't you will me. learn and you have those connections on the West Coast, right? We've worked with all kinds of countries. I've, I have a very close relationship with the tree lemons this break. AJ, he's yes. young. He was doing something very interesting. Me and him probably spoke for about two hours at Legislative right in 2020. They were doing a podcast internally only. And it was exactly what you're talking about. If they knew technician A had a 30 minute drive to, I think he said to a tree stump grinding, they created a 25 minute video <laughs> on tree stump grinding for them to listen to on their drive to refresh on how to do the tree stump grinding. 100%. It's and that's exactly what you're talking about. Now, this is the other thing with data and creating it all, right? By the time you're done creating it all, you need to go back and look at the beginning because that may have fucking changed already. Whatever See, you started at. You just literally hit the nail on the head for me, which is when I talk to people about what I'm trying to do, I want to create content that will provide your people what they need to solve 80 to 90% of the problems that they encounter. And if you have intuitive people, you can do that. I could go right now, you give me a half hour drive to go do a Scorpion job and you give me 20 minutes of something I can listen to on how to do it. I've never done a Scorpion job in my life. And I bet with that 20 minutes of information, I could get it right 80 to 90%. You know, we've been on a digital training platform since probably 2018. Yes, yeah, it's, it's probably about 34, I would say. Yeah, and we use it for everything. We use it for the company handbook. Then we started putting the processes in there for treatment. And now everybody has to go on and do tests on there. And now the new one of the new, you, you could record everything, which is amazing. Sure. So just technician wise, for everybody that's a driving tech, they have a weekly, it's probably like 20 questions that they have to answer about vehicle safety. Do the brakes work? Are the lights working? Do you have coolant? Do you have this? Do you have your mask? Do you have your respirator? Do you have all of the chemicals you need? And it'll, there's two lists of chemicals. One is like insecticide, the other is rodenticides, and then it's glue boards, whatever. And it's literally like a, a Microsoft Forms document and they're checking it off and then they sign it. And then as soon as they are done, automatically gets emailed to management with the form. But some guys were saying they didn't know how to do it, which I said, no problem. I'm going to do it and I'm going to screen record myself doing it. Yeah. I did it on my phone. I screen recorded it. We uploaded it to the digital learning platform and everybody had five business days to go watch it and then take the test on that. They watched it. And then now there's nobody, nobody tells anybody on Tuesday. Oh, I, I don't know how to do it in the form. Now everybody knows. I listen, and you've been part of business groups. I've been in Vistage run EOS with previous companies and all these different business groups talk about one thing, typically, and it's... It's that time again for one of our listeners' questions. Our Ask the Expert feature is coming up next. 
The question is, I have 39 employees. I'm located in Atlanta, Georgia. Do I have to provide FMLA? And the answer, the, the real short answer is no, you don't. And the little bit longer explanation is Family Medical Leave Act is federal, applies to employers who have 50 or more employees in the U.S. anywhere. So if you have a total of 50 or more, now you're a covered employer. But even then, your employees may not get that 12 weeks of job protection that the law offers unless they hit all these other criteria. And that's where you would want to dig down. How long did they work for me? Where do they work? How many people do I have in the area? But if you're under 50, FMLA doesn't apply at all. So follow-up question that there's been a ton of speculation on. If you have 100 part-time employees, you fall under FMLA? Yes. You do. I remember this when the Healthcare Act, Obamacare came out, people were like, I'm just going to hire more part-time people or whatever. But then they were like, if I owned four pest control companies, one was 100%, the other was 30 then those all come and fall under that. So like you said, Laurie, you could dig so far down into it and you yeah. need to as a company to find out what you can do. And that's why you have inspectors. Yeah, because those laws, they, they can be challenging for us. Like I gave a very solid answer there. A hundred people, yeah. And then I was like, but why? So I was looking it up as we were talking. And FMLA, you mentioned Obamacare. That's different rules. So every one of these laws, these mandates, whether it's a state or a federal, you got to dig into it each time. And you got to look at the situation for who am I applying this to sometimes? Because you might have five people who work for you who get FMLA job protection and then five more that don't because they just don't have all the qualifications right now. They didn't work for you long enough. So navigating all of these things are a huge challenge. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for a true small business. Right. You know, small business in the United States is considered 50 million and under, but I'm just talking about anybody 10 million and under, in my opinion, trying to navigate all this stuff is insanity. And even at 10 million, maybe you can afford an in-house HR team of two or three, maybe, depending on what your margins are and whatnot. But it just gets crazy trying to navigate it all. It really does. When I first started a business, the first thing that I said I was doing was getting a payroll company because I'm not going to the bank. I'm not trying to figure out payroll taxes. And the other piece that I'm learning over time is I'd rather spend money to get it done than spend my time to potentially get it done wrong. Because that potentially done wrong, not only did you lose your time, which is valuable, truthfully, you could put a dollar amount on my time. But now, what fines did I open myself up to trying to save money doing it myself? Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. We're going to revisit one of our most downloaded episodes. Get the foundation right with this one. And let us know what you think. Send us an email at colonyconfidential.com or send us a DM on social media.